0: Hi and welcome to our podcast. I'm your host, Howard Drew Karsh. I've been a successful realtor in Canada's largest market for over 30 years. And in the latter part of my career, I co-founded Canada's largest independent brokerage, Right at Home Realty. In 2020, I retired to start this podcast. And it's been a remarkable opportunity to meet with successful and highly interesting guests to find out about their careers and get their insight into our business. Today's guest is Andrew Foliato. And before I I introduce Andrew, I want to talk a bit about how we met. Uh, About two or three weeks ago, the Ontario Real Estate Association had a fantastic conference called Reality Plus. Uh, I was there as a guest. Andrew was there um, presenting, um, and this is why we wanted him as a guest, presenting himself as the new owner of Real Estate Magazine. And I've known Rem since I started in the business, go back to when Jim Adair was there, and even myself and my late partner Arthur Bartram had been uh, front page um, featured on RAM, and so I was delighted to meet Andrew, uh, and also his um, his editor, his new editor, uh, Jordana Springay. And so, having met them, I thought they'd be great guests because most of the people who watch our podcast are real estate agents, and I'd say all of them know RAM. So uh, I really appreciate Andrew taking time this morning, and we're going to get right to the right to the podcast. So Andrew, welcome. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So, um, our audience is always interested in in how people got into real estate because primarily our audience is real estate people, uh, agents, developers, people like that. In your own situation, were there uh, entrepreneurs in your family?
1: Yeah, on both sides of the family. So, like my father, who probably learned from the most on it, uh, he owned a concrete forming company for many, many, many years. <laughs> mm-hmm. He's you know, out in, even moved out to Calgary in the early 80s where both my brothers were born doing stuff out there. Then, when the uh, National Energy Plan came in, they moved back and continued the business here. Um, and then, my grandfather, so my no no before him, did the same thing. And then, my grandfather on the other side of the family, uh, if you know Mary Hill Golf Course in Guelph. So, he, him and it was actually a few of him and a few of his friends actually like bought a farmland, cleared it, put a golf course on it. And then, more recently, recently being relative here, uh, he was one of the originals with St. Andrews Valley in Aurora. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was also one of the big things for him. Um, so if basically my whole life I've been surrounded by entrepreneurs.
0: So I guess that begs the question. Do you play golf?
1: Not well, um, or anymore. So I started to get pretty good and when I worked at the golf course, because as a high school student, when your grandfather owns it, you just get given a job, basically, <laughs> and right. told you're working now. Okay. Um, so I like but sometimes like before and after my shifts, the golf pro for free would start like giving me a few lessons. Mm-hmm. But Unfortunately, when I was about 16, I developed a pretty bad allergy to grass,
2: mm. which
1: makes golfing quite difficult. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I don't really golf anymore. Like end of the season now, I can kind of with some meds get through a round or two, but when you can only play max a round or two a year at the end of the season, it doesn't lend to Good golfing, so that that shut down my uh, career pretty
0: quick. <laughs> well, it gave it, it gave you the, and this is always the important thing, I think. It gave you the vision and the understanding of what it is to be an entrepreneur, and and it really you can read about it forever. But I was a real estate agent for twenty years before starting right at home with uh, with my two partners, and you know running a business is another world, and and for anybody listening who, who's thinking it, it's easier, it's 24-7, and uh, uh, the rewards are there if you do it right, but I think for you to have family members and you could see what they went through to build a business, like, the, no business is easy, but, you know, I can imagine all the issues building anything where weather's important and supplier issues and unions and unions, <laughs> right. All that it's
1: it was a lot. Of, like I remember one of my favorite things when I worked for my dad is it, it was we rented a unit that was actually owned on a property by my nono. and he has like some like he came here from Italy with basically nothing after the war, <laughs> built everything up, lost everything, and then built it back up again. Mm. And just coincidentally, he needed an office space, and my office had a room, so we put a desk in my office with my grandfather. And basically, him and I, there was many times where we just like sat and chatted about. Business lessons and stuff like that, and those are some of my favorite years. Oh, great! Uh, before I started my own company,
0: so you really got some good background in this. Yeah. So, so a let's a lot ta- of support. Yeah, absolutely. So let's take it to Just Sell Homes, uh, which I know that was the company that you, the company you own, uh, before you um, recently took over ownership of RAM. So, how did you get into Just Sell Homes? And for those that may not know the company, tell us. You know, give us a pitch. We got a lot of audience here. Yeah.
1: So we're a digital marketing agency that focuses on the real estate industry in Canada specifically. So like we are primarily like our bread and butter historically has been like Facebook ads, email marketing. Uh, but with clients, we'll work on kind of their larger strategy as well. Um, but I actually started as a real estate agent in Aurora. So I was with um, Bill Jenkins, who at the time I believe it was Remax York Group. Uh, we got bought out and we went up with a different brokerage, um, still under the same kind of brand. But I started like building everything online. I get, I was trying everything. I tried cold calling, door knocking. That did not work for me to be honest. Like I got a deal in the second house I ever door knocked and thought this was going to be the easiest career. <laughs> and that was about the last deal I ever got door knocking.
0: So so um <laughs> so, when was it that you, you switched to building uh just sell homes?
1: So that was I ended up when we got bought out by a bigger brokerage, yeah. I started doing trainings in the office because they asked me to like train other agents on what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And then through that, one of the big brands ended up seeing that recruiting me to train agents. I ended up traveling North America training agents. And this was just as we were switching to going paperless. But then every time I did training, it was people always asking, can you just do this for me? And I remember one time I was sitting with an old mentor of mine from my sales days, and he actually was just like, he had paid me to evaluate website providers for him Hmm. and just pick the right website, get it up there. And he goes, I swear. It's a direct quote. Let me check. Um,
0: Mr. Price, a thumbs up from the producer. Yes. Right.
1: So he says, I don't want to do this shit anymore. I just want to sell homes.
0: It makes sense, though. <laughs> and then it? it just
1: kind of, the name kind of stuck with me there. <laughs> yeah. And I just looked up, like, in the room with him still, just sellhomes.com, Saw it was available, bought it. And then, like, the idea. So, like, at the time, my partner, training partner, because there was two of us traveling together, uh, the, the company was actually originally her idea. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, um, so she, we co-founded it together, long story short, I ended up buying her out, um, and she does some training stuff now. Um, but yeah, we started it because basically people kept asking us to, and I realized I liked that better Mm -hmm. Uh, because when I originally went into the training side, my plan was actually to come back to sales and be a real estate agent again. But, and like what I was thinking is every time I went on stage, I said Aurora three times. So I'm like, I'm going to build the best referral network that ever existed. Everyone's going to know me as the Aurora guy. I'm going to get all the referrals. But then I just, as I'm doing it, I'm like, okay, I like this marketing side of the business more.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so then when I started out, I just called up my mentor, the one who actually gave me the idea for the name and said, hey, uh, it was a couple named Marcel, or not a couple, they were a partnership, they weren't together. Um, my name Marcel and Barb and Aurora. And I was like, hey, you know how you guys have tried to hire me in the past? Well, now you can. Um, They're like, great. I gave them the price. They're like, sounds great. I was like, by the way, I need six months up front. <laughs> and <laughs> so they gave me six months up front. Uh, the next call went the same where I asked someone else, said, here's the price. Um, by the way, I need six months up front. They both did it. And I was kind of off and running from, that was about seven and a half years ago. So July of 2015.
0: So so timing is everything, right? I mean, you, you got into this because you saw the need, right? Yeah. And, and, and uh, I remember the early days of, um, you know, digital, actually digital followed um, um, cell, cell phones. Like, cell phones were kind of the first step into this. I remember when, you know, cell phones were first in cars. Then they were in suitcases the size of this desk, you know, and then they, so, but then I think that really triggered where things could be done in a more uh, mobile way, and, and and you could present things, and I was an agent for 20 years, and and prospecting is everything. I mean, when people used to ask me, what do you do as an agent? I'd say, well, every day I prospect for business, and, and uh, you know, some weeks I get paid more than others. So the time and the other thing is I, I you know i've been successful or adam and i've been successful you know putting this podcast together and people ask you know how 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 do you do so much social media it's cuz i don't sell anymore this is my full time job right so you understood that that an agent couldn't be putting in all those hours and put in all the hours it takes to do social media um, yeah.
1: And like, that's where we work. Cause like we get clients all the time now come in and be like, I need to spend all this time on social. Like we'll make plans for people who only have 15 minutes in a week. Like when you, like we had a team we were working with there, they were doing 400 plus deals a year. The team leader was still the one doing the social. I'm like, that is a horrible use of their time really, wow. <laughs> for the most part. Yeah. Like there's still some scenarios where it is. So we're like, you can develop plans based on your time available.
0: Yeah. Was, so it was a great business. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so uh, I was going to ask you what motivated you to start Just just Sell Homes, but I, I you just answered the question. Opportunity.
2: Perfect. Right. Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah, I just saw an opportunity. And there's not a lot of competition directly in Canada that focuses on the real estate industry. Like, yes, there are competitors, but most are not real estate
0: focused. Okay. And if they're in the U.S., they're in U.S. dollars, I would assume. Yeah. Well, there's
1: even some Canadians who charge in U.S. dollars. So, like, it's another advantage that we have.
0: Oh, good for you. So yeah. it, uh, before we get to RIMS, um, since this was kind of your first other than being a real estate agent this this was your first real estate business venture um what did what lessons did you learn from starting just sell homes uh i mean a lot <laughs> there was a lot cuz like i did it really quick like i kind of had the idea we
1: started right away um and it kind of became like i brute forced it but there was no systems and then it scaled up pretty quick and then the problem became we didn't have the systems in place to handle that scale mhm So like, I think it was when I started at my main offering was 400 a month, which lesson one was that wasn't enough. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And then we got so many clients, we got up to like 16, 17,000 a month in revenue within like three or four months. Wow. And, but it was basically me doing all the work. So that was like, I had to pull 18 hour days to try and keep up with that. And I burnt out. Um, and we ended up just like, obviously, mainly because I just took on too many people not thinking, I lost a lot of those clients. Uh, so then we kind of raised the prices, which attracted kind of for us a kind of a nicer to deal with clientele.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so we found that like keeping our prices a little bit higher generally brings in the type of clients that we fit better with. Um, and then it's making sure you have the systems of scale. So like right now, one of our offerings, we actually limit it to two people a month. Because we just, as we're building it out, we realized just to do a good job the way we want to do, we can't take on more than two at a time. So we set those specific systems up. And now I'm planning out like, all right, if we, where are we at a client load level? When would the next hire need to be? And we're planning that out instead of being reactive and being like, oh, my God, we have so many clients. I got to hire someone to <laughs> come on and do it. So I'm trying to predict what that's going to look like um which did make a bit of a challenge during the pandemic when there was no regular seasonality anymore <laughs> like mm-hmm. kind of that seasonality normalcy because I always knew like typically I'd hire in like the beginning of the year in preparation for the spring market and then probably hire one more in the summer in preparation for the fall market and I kind of do that whereas like a couple of years of the pandemic there basically was no real spring summer type of thing like that it was just nonstop all the time
0: well you know it's, it's, it's interesting because you really touched on another really important part about being an entrepreneur is managing growth yeah. right like you you were growing so fast and you know it's thrilling obviously but you, then you have to find time to bring in the support staff to keep it going and uh you know and we're, we're talking in 2022 and uh anybody i talk to in any business is struggling to bring in support staff like so you know that's that's a that's an issue a new issue. Um, I wanted to touch a little more on the pandemic. So, um, you talked about how you would normally uh, strategize. You need people at certain times of the year. How how did it how did it become clear to you that it was going to be there were no seasonality any there was none anymore?
1: I mean, I don't, if you remember, like it obviously happened right at the beginning of the spring market. Um, so everyone got a little worried. But overnight, like when Ford announced the shutdowns in Ontario. I think we lost 40% of our clients in three days.
0: Wow. Cause everyone was just
1: super nervous about what was going on. Um, but then by July, we had all that volume back and then some, so like it was a pretty fat, like there were, I was probably pretty worried for about a month. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then as like real estate, as a career, like it, that wasn't part of like real estate agents could still work and go out and do things. Um, clients are like, okay, I think we'll be okay. And they started coming back. And then as the prices really started soaring, Um, they just, it never slowed down. But like that first three months, I was basically trying to balance having kids at home who were one and a half at the time and three, um, while working. And it became a lot of early mornings, late nights. (laughs) And then every office wanted Zoom. So I was doing like, you know, three to four office Zooms a day (laughs) every day for like two months as everyone was making that switch to digital. So it was a pretty exhausting stretch Mm -hmm. um and then one advantage we've always had as a company is that we've always been remote like since seven and a half years ago i've fully remote um so the one actually really benefit for us is that everyone kind of adapted to our way of doing things Mm -hmm. because like before if i would say hey let's meet on zoom half the time i'd have to teach them how to use zoom first Mm. whereas now it's just like second nature for everybody like very rarely does a technical issue that's user error happen now Mm -hmm. I guess once in a while things happen with Zoom where it doesn't quite work, but it's usually not the person's fault. Um, So like that's cut down a lot. Like even now as things opening back up, it cuts my travel time uh, significantly. Because like before, if I went to go meet someone for uh, one hour at their office, I'm really killing four hours when you account for travel and everything by the time I get back and settled. Whereas now it's just the hour.
0: That's interesting. Zoom has really made a difference. I I think um, sometimes in person, is, is a good starting point, I've always found. But then once you have that... Rela- like you and I, I met you at, at Reality Plus. We had a nice chat, and, and you know, also with Jordana. And now we kind of knew each other, and you were comfortable being a guest, and I was comfortable having you as a as a guest. And it kind of made it easier. So yeah, I think Zoom Zoom's a nice follow-up if you can plan it that way. Sometimes, it, well, a lot of our guests, actually, I meet after I've had them as a guest. Yeah. So it really I depends. like it
1: as well, like Zoom both... Early on, like the first intro call, mm-hmm. because you can tell right away if it's someone that's not going to be a good fit. So maybe now it's not, I'm killing half a day. Right. No, in 10 minutes, it's not going to be a good fit. Mm-hmm. I'd rather do the 10 minute Zoom, figure that out, and then use that to find the time in person.
0: Yeah. And, you know, in the old days, we used to do it with a phone call, right? you yeah. figure it out. But, you know, when you get the video included uh yeah. it, it's very helpful so you did touch about touch on a moment ago about technology setting aside technology uh for your business uh what are the tech- technology tools that you as a business person rely on what are the most important things you use
1: uh so like internally in our company every day we're using three main things uh one is slack because i hate email um so our team just uses slack to communicate which i just find that... now there's some cons to Slack as well over email, but it does. It's a nice way to kind of on a remote team build camaraderie, communicate better. Um, then we use Asana, which is a task management. So it's like every client you can go and see what everyone's working on with every client, where they are at each step, and it's just a very organized place. And then you can duplicate, you know, systems, and it works really well. And then the other one is Notion, which is a newer one for us, but basically it's a tool that acts like the company's brains. So like all our SOPs are in there.
0: um and everything like that. For those who don't know SOP, sorry to interrupt but for those who don't know sop standard operating procedures basically
1: our our binder i learned this from my dad is he Mm -hmm. literally just had binders used to be printed out behind him and anything you'd ever do you could go to that pull it out and be like all right this is the task for this day this 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 and this um and early on that's where i was very weak because i was just plowing ahead Mm -hmm. figuring things would fill in behind me (laughs) it didn't quite work out
0: okay um in terms of um, success, and you've had a lot of success with Just just um, just Sell Homes, if you were to say, this is my biggest success, what would you say would be your biggest success from uh, in that business up to this point? Because
1: I did see that you had that question. I thought about it for a long time, and I still think like with the success we've had, the biggest one for me that I look at is that I'm still able to drop my kids off and pick them up every day from school. Like, I know there's been a lot of, like, business things that are wins, but I I know I know my dad down at Kiosos before technology. Like, he'd be up out the door every day at 5. He'd be lucky to be home by 6 every day. Uh, so the amount of time I got with him during the week was pretty low, um, which I understood why that had to happen, especially after I worked with him for a few years. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wanted to kind of be there even more than that. Um, so that's, uh for me, the most important part is that I've been able to pull that off for them like yes there's the odd day i can't (laughs) pick them up necessarily but like even now i say no to things if i have to i can't drop my kids off at school that morning so i'm like i can't do anything until i have enough time to drive after nine o'clock from new market
0: listen i i i think that's so commendable and i think your kids when they get older will appreciate it more than now because now you're just their driver (laughs) Right. (laughs) But, but, and also, you know, I, I, one of the things I liked about real estate was there was, there was no travel. So I could, when our kids were young, I could be around our kids. Um, I worked with my wife, Rosemary, um, for 10 years before I had kids. And I remember uh, as an agent, we were going somewhere. socially but someone said can you drop by and just you know look let 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 us know what you think of the house so and it was I guess a past client so we had like our one-year-old with us got in the house she started wailing <laughs> and yeah. I learned never bring a kid to a client <laughs> which I don't think yeah. you would do anyway yeah, so, yeah okay. I've
1: had a few where I've like actually done zoom calls with like one on my lap mm-hmm. like I there was actually a meeting one time it was like 30 of us but like it was with Doug Ford Mm. And I remember half the call, I actually like had my son rocking him to sleep <laughs> on the call. I was like, I'm going to be muted for a lot of this one.
0: <laughs> oh, good for you. I think it's a, it's a, great, it's a great way to, to put value into where you want to spend time in life. Good for you. So let's move on to REM, which is where I got to meet you. Um, and obviously, it had been a very successful periodical. And so the question comes up, and I think I asked you this the first time we met. Um, what motivated you to take over REM?
1: So, I've always wanted to do something like this. And like, I'd have actually, like, I approached Rem a couple of years ago to try and buy it, um, but we couldn't come together on numbers. And I don't think you at the time was that motivated to sell. It was more just like, hey, if they offer the right number, you know, everyone has a price type of thing. Um, and then I'd even started looking into and planning my own media company. Like I was going to start my own and just compete directly with Rem instead.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and then when they announced they were shutting down, I probably had about that day twenty different people message me like REM shut down. You got to reach out again because <laughs> like there's people who knew. Um, although even some of the people who reached out had no idea I had tried to buy it. Um, so I've always like there's a need for this in Canada because like right now like if you took REM out, the only things are really like American publications that might throw the odd Canadian article in there, mm-hmm. but it's not a lot. So there's a need for it, and anytime there's a need for it, there's also a potential business there. So like I do like it from that, like the legacy side of it, but I also think on its own, it's also a great business, but then it can also feed business to the agency as well. So it all kind of feeds in together really nicely, um, and there's benefits across the board.
0: So it's a great synergy, right? Yeah. Um, oh, what, um, what are the new ideas that you're planning for REM that, that haven't been there before?
1: Uh, a lot of it will be around like we want to start bringing in like, more media types because like right now it's obviously almost entirely written content. Um, and I have a few ideas for like some shows I want to do. Like, for example, I think I mentioned when, before we jump on air, I had an old show that I used to do pre-COVID. Mm-hmm. um I'm gonna be bringing that back what's going to be come back as a rem show instead of a just sell home show I believe mm-hmm. uh obviously just the homes will promote it a bit but it'll <laughs> mainly be a rem show and we'll just be looking at doing things like that like a lot of just new media attempts um right now though we're kind of really diving deep into getting just accurate data on like the email list for example because like we I want to make sure that when an advertiser comes to us we have the right stuff for them so like for me my first like 12 months goal is get the content machine just, running smoothly again mm-hmm. which jordana's done an unbelievably great job uh since we hired her getting that content out regularly but i do want to get her help i want to hire a staff writer uh, so probably in q1 of next year i think we'll bring on a staff writer to kind of ease some of that burden on her and then you potentially put out a little bit more content um, so we'll get that going bring in some shows and then we'll start even bringing in eventually premium content um so like right now like one thing that I always want to make clear with everyone though is like there will never be a, like a gated piece on the regular everyday content. Like I'm not going to gate news or anything like that. But what we might do would be like advanced workshops on certain topics and pay guest experts to come in and do like a really in-depth session. That will be premium content. And what we'll probably do is like you could either buy it as a one-off Or if you're subscribing monthly, you get everything we put out like that. And then there'll be things like that. And then live events. This is actually one that Jim Adair, I was talking to him about. So when I was considering it, I brought Jim out for a beer. And one of the things I asked is like, you know, where did you see some opportunities that maybe you didn't capitalize on? And his big one was like, we should have been doing live events. Hmm. Um, So I think eventually, and like, I've already done my own conference for Just Sell Home. So I think we'll do that as the first one as a joint REM JSH conference this July um, and I started looking at doing more live events too.
0: Smart, good for you. Um, the, the 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 goal of being a publisher um, is, it's a, a bold goal, for lack of a better <laughs> way to say it. What, what was it that attracted you? Like, or, or let me rephrase that, you already made the decision, what do you like about being the publisher?
1: I mean, there's a lot, I mean, I love kind of seeing the behind the scenes, like, I'm still learning it, right? Like, I've, been a publisher for about three months at this point. (laughs) So I'm still learning a lot. But it does fit in with a lot of like what I like, I went to school, actually, I got a degree in history. Mm -hmm. And even when I wrote back then, I was always writing the human side of it. So like, I wasn't writing the strategy of the battle of Psalm, it was what did the individuals go through who were on the front lines? What did their day to day look like? And that actually translates really nicely to journalism, where it's like, you know, great, we have these big macro stories about real estate, but what does that mean for the, you know, the realtor on the front line doing what's their day to day? How's that changed now?
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: writing stories about that. So like it does kind of always have that little adventure, in like what are people going through in the day to day? And I think a trade publication can do a really good job doing that um, and diving into it. So I do like kind of telling people stories and kind of playing up that side of things. Um, and showing the good that's out there, because I think there's so much negativity out there. So, like, we do a really big focus on, like, when we hear people doing good things in the community, we want to showcase it, um, as much of that type of content as
0: possible. Oh, cool. So, um, there there are people probably watching who, you know, like the idea of doing what you're doing with REM. In other words, publishing uh, an online... Um, news magazine, Um, even though it's only three months, what what would you say to someone if they said, you know, Andrew, uh, you've had all of three months uh, to do this. What would you say to them if there was some interest in doing it?
1: I think, I mean, one, you got to know who your audience is like that by far. Like that was really easy with Rem. I knew exactly who I wanted to be. That was already built in for them. Like for us, it was real estate agents in Canada, the real estate industry in general in Canada. Um, but you, like, it's incredibly hard just to start a general one, like trying to start a one that's just on Canada, for example, or even North America would be way too broad. So it'd be like, I know now that I've been networking with other media people now, it's like, I know people who do like hobbyist flying, like it's people who fly hobby planes, not commercial planes. Hmm. And his entire publication is about that. So it's like finding that niche that you want to serve. um, And then whether it's you or someone else, an editor, just a really good editor who understands journalism and how to do it. So that was my big priority, was not someone with real estate experience, was someone with editing experience. Um, And that's where I got really lucky with Jordana, where she was amazing. And now she's learning the real estate industry and getting up to speed on it really quick.
0: Okay, so let's uh, let's give some uh, time to Jordana, and the reason is my oldest daughter's name is Jordana, so I like saying the name. <laughs> but yeah. but I mean, she is like your let's call it a co-pilot, right? She's driving the ship with you. What what uh, what what was her background? How did you how did you get someone to come with you in essentially a startup, right? Because it was you're yeah. taking over.
1: So she um, like has worked with Global News Toronto City. CTV Toronto, CTV Vancouver, both on air and as a producer, like she was the, the well, the last year she was freelancing for Global. The three years before that, she was actually the producer of the five o'clock news in Toronto for wow. Global. Wow. It's so like, that was her background. But what, I mean, as you can imagine, if you're producing the five o'clock news for Toronto, that's a hectic life.
2: For sure.
1: <laughs> um, so during the pandemic, I think she realized she kind of wanted to mix things up. So she spent the year, like basically she quit Global and then worked as a freelancer for them so she could travel. Uh-huh. Um, and I think she realized she wanted a more steady gig um, and it just kind of right place at the right time for both of us. And I give her that flexibility. Like, yes, there are some things like the area reality conference where she does need to be there in person, but if she wants to go work in Italy for a month, great. She can go work in Italy for a month, as long as the content's still coming out. You um, might have to adjust her working time zones a little bit <laughs> depending on where she goes but we offer her a lot of that flexibility and then complete control, right? Like she has full editorial control. For the most part, I only see articles the same time everyone else does.
0: Yeah. And that's actually when I, when I uh, spoke to you about how do we find a you know, way to connect with the editor? You did say, yeah. um, you know, yeah. just call Jordana. So one yeah. of the things that's going to happen as a result of this, so I'm, I'm going to wrap it up in a que- one more question is uh, there will be um, people now wanting to do what Jordana does for rem yeah. <laughs> so let's, let's give them the opportunity. If someone wants to reach you, what's the best way to reach you, Andrew?
1: So for me, it's Andrew at realestatemagazine.ca. Okay. Um, if you want Jordana, it's Jordana at realestatemagazine.ca. Okay. So anything for like Rem, if you just questions about how the business works or you want to advertise with us, that's me. If it's editorial related, that's Jordana.
0: Okay, great. So my last question is this. Um, What's been, and you've had a lot of business experience, what's been the biggest challenge that you've had, and and what did you learn from it? I think it's finding, for me, my
1: toughest has been finding senior leadership in a company. Mm -hmm. It's like, I've typically always hired junior people and then trained them up. Mm -hmm. Then they're kind of, you have limits when you do that. Um, And it's finding the right people because I think you have to dive into it a lot more. And it's finding the people who can't just, who don't just talk a good game, but there's actually substance behind them.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And it's like, and then there's that little bit of like finding the people who genuinely care about the business. Like, that's one thing that I love about Jordana is like, she genuinely cares and looks for opportunities to be better and constantly looking for feedback on how we can improve things and what everything's doing. Whereas, like, you know, you probably, You've hired people in the past, people who just kind of, they show up, they do the job, they put their hours in and they leave.
0: Actually, we never hired those. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) I had some mistakes early on in my career. Yeah. (laughs) Of poor, like that was back when I was doing like reactive
0: hiring. Yeah, yeah, right. Well, reactive is different. You got a problem. You got to get somebody in there. Exactly. So
1: now that we kind of plan it out and we can be proactive. We can take the time to find the right people. But to me, it's always about the people that we hire. Perfect. That's always one of my biggest challenges.
0: All right. Listen, I, I, as I said, when we started, I try to keep it to half an hour because I know how busy you are. And you have two little kids waiting for you on top of three little kids waiting (laughs) for you on on top of two businesses. So thank you for joining us. Um, You know, perhaps we can get you back another time and just see how things are going. And, um, you know, real pleasure to have... Time to talk to you this way, Andrew. So thank you, thank you for joining us.
1: Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
0: We'd like to thank Andrew Fogliato for joining us today and you for joining us today. And if you liked our podcast, please like, comment, and subscribe on your favorite podcast network or on our YouTube channel. To get in touch with us, you can reach us either by email at info at rewithhd.com or on our website, rewithhd.com. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next time.